Good morning, good morning, good morning. Cable Smith welcoming everybody into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Thanks for being here. Thanks to Mossberg Firearms as well. Got a great one lined up for you today. I'm certainly excited about it. A little Gary Stewart getting things going for us today. Honkin' Tonkin, name of that one. The uh, late, great Gary Stewart. Uh, anyway, hope y'all are having a great week. Uh, turkey seasons are wrapping up across much of the country. Uh, crappie spawn is on in certain regions. Texas, we're about, we're about done here, uh, but... A lot of you other folks are enjoying, man, I've seen a lot of big slabs. Uh, I wonder if that, you know, if you listened to last week's show regarding the uh, just epic largemouth season we had as far as giant largemouth bass, 13 pounds and over here in Texas. Uh, I wonder if the crappie also benefited from the stagnant, uh, lethargic bait fish, dead bait fish, shad, stuff like that. Uh, these fish just gorging themselves on it. So lots of giant slabs that y'all have been sending photos of or sockalites as the uh, Cajuns, our friends over in Louisiana, refer to them as. But uh, nothing beats a fried crappie taco for my money anyway. Uh, all right, what are we doing today? Let me tell you. Go ahead and pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos because we're ready to rock and roll and off the top. We'll be joined by California native Josh Craighauser, who uh, recently was fortunate enough to have a mountain lion come into his yard and kill his goats. Well, okay, that seems like a normal occurrence in California where they don't allow mountain lion hunting at all. So they've got a gross overpopulation, a real problem. But the story really gets good when Josh calls California Game and Fish or whatever their wildlife agency is. Uh, because the lady that dealt with him was so disingenuous that it uh, it's mind-blowing. But that's what happens when you put animal rights activists in these positions within uh, game and fish agencies. So uh, just kind of eye-opening and kind of humorous, sadly, at the same time. So looking forward to having Josh on. Then uh, Buffalo Run. What in the world is that? Hey, it's a race from Buffalo Gap, Texas to the Grand Canyon and back. Here's the catch. You've got to use a jalopy that you paid 500 bucks or less for to get there and get back. It's like uh, 1,700 miles or something like that. I don't know. The guy who uh, is spearheading this event, it's a, a charity event for a great cause, which we'll talk about as well. But my friend Cody Cox, a guy that I've spent uh, – some time hunting with over the years. We've been friends a long time. He's making the trek from the Abilene area to join us in studio today to discuss Buffalo Run, which uh, sounds like a hell of a good time. Lots of funny elements uh, to this event, all for a good cause. And then we'll wrap up today's broadcast by taking a multiple state turkey trek with our friend Kevin Harlander of First Light. I think it was four states in like seven days or something like that that Kevin and some of the guys from First Light and the uh, National Wild Turkey Federation just wrapped up. They had freezing temperatures, though. Lots of snow. Not uh, anything that I've ever experienced in the turkey woods. But, yeah, Kevin will be here. 
and we'll talk a little bit about that uh, experience. It sounded like a fun one, albeit uh, hard conditions, no doubt. Uh, so that's what's on the docket for today. Certainly looking forward to it. Uh, three great guests lined up. Let's do a quick giveaway. I've got a holster from our new sponsor, Versicary. That's right. Versicary is uh, going to give you the holster of your choice. So I don't technically have it because you're going to choose the holster that uh, is right for you and your choice for concealed carry. I like a 1911. You might like a revolver, whatever. Uh, they've got something for everybody. Just email the words Second Amendment, that's Second Amendment, to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com, and you are entered into today's Versicary giveaway. Uh, and also, by the way, save 10% off any Versicary product when you use my promo code Lone Star when, when you check out. It's that easy. Let's take a quick break. Up next, we will uh, peel the layers back on California's real perspective on wildlife management. Are animals really more important than, say, oh, I don't know, children? We'll discuss next on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. See a car, truck, or train. Whether you're headed to the lake for crappie, the coast for redfish, or trying to put your tag on that big gobbler this spring, don't let your truck tank your next trip. Third Coast Diesels does it all. From maintenance to repairs to full diesel rebuilds, any accessory on any truck doesn't matter. They also do lifts, wheels, tires, hell, you name it. Third Coast Diesel does it. Call David Boone at 214-326-1176 or visit thirdcoastdiesels.com. With city life seemingly getting crazier by the minute, the thought of moving out to the country is looking more appealing than ever. And Foster Farm and Ranch has been recognized as one of the nation's top ranch brokerages the past two years. They have listings in 22 counties and counting and are truly a statewide entity. Foster represents buyers and sellers from all walks of life. Farmers, ranchers, hunters, doctors, lawyers, investors, and possibly you. You can find them on Facebook, Foster Farm and Ranch, or Instagram, at Foster Ranch Sales. Of course, fosterfarmandranch.com, the website, or call chat at 830-776-3605. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com. Or see Bobcat Machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatofDallas.com today. I hope you live long enough to forget half the stuff they've taught you. And when it's all said and done, I hope you've got your own set of rules to hang on. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thanks for being here today. We're about to head over to the great, and I say that mockingly, uh, state of California and visit with a California resident who has been the uh, unfortunate victim of a mountain lion killing his, I don't know, not really livestock, his goats, but they were in his front yard, his pets. 
And we'll hear it firsthand from Josh Craighauser momentarily. This segment is brought to you by Stealth Cam and the Fusion wireless trail camera. You can find it as well as Stealth Cam's entire... Hey, Josh might need a Stealth Cam, come to think of it. Uh, but you could find it as well as their entire lineup at StealthCam.com. With that being said, let's bring him on right now, joining us from uh, maybe the San Diego area. It is my pleasure to welcome Josh Craighauser to the show. How are you doing? Good. I know you were a little cool, a little uh, skeptical of coming on. I think maybe you thought it was like a TV show or a video format, but uh, it is not. So uh, it's great to to have you on here. You're joining us from somewhere in California. Yeah, around San Diego area. Oh, cool. So San Diego is beautiful. One of the few places in California I think I would still consider visiting um, as a Texan. Certainly won't ever be going to San Francisco again. Last time I was there, I had a homeless guy spit on me. Uh, that was that sounds about right. Not my favorite experience. <laughs> it's a shame though, because California is just absolutely beautiful. Um, but uh, politics aside, I saw something on Instagram which um, piques my interest, and in, they had tagged you in the video. Apparently, it is your video. Um, so, going back, like historically, and we've talked about this on the show over the years, but California banned mountain lion hunting back in 1990 and the taxpayers and a lot of uh, urban uh, wildlife pets have paid the price as a result you've got an overpopulation of of mountain lions um how big is your property first of all like are you are you kind of out in the sticks yeah we're we're pretty far out um we're about an hour from san diego um we're on a four acre piece of land not a lot of neighbors which is nice don't have to deal with people (laughs) um but have to deal with everything that california brings with it so including mountain lions so you've have you lived there your whole life no uh i moved here in 2012 okay and so uh, leading up to these recent videos had you had much uh, experience with mountain lions i would pick one up maybe once a year on a on a game cam um maybe if if once a year i think i've seen the whole time i've lived here i think i've seen three on, on my game cam okay right there on your homestead um no they, it's pretty far yeah pretty far out on the edge of property it would stay on the fence line uh-huh. um but they just I've I've had I mean we've had goats and um our dog had just passed away and then immediately it was like it knew that mountain lion knew. What kind of dog was it? Uh I had a golden retriever. Okay, so a big a big enough dog. I mean mountain lions aren't afraid of, you know, I'd say anything under thirty right. pounds, they're just gonna snatch it up and eat that as well. But I mean it, it would it would you know, pee and poop on the edge of property. Yeah. And it, it let know it was there. Right. Right. And and despite the golden retriever, you'd still seen, you'd still gotten videos of the of big cats. Uh, on the outside, you, you know, it would stay, like I said, it, it would stay on the, the edge of property. It wouldn't, I never even saw anything, you know, close. Yeah. So once the dog died, does these cats, got a little more aggressive and they came over the fence on into the property correct 
So there's two fences. There's a barbed wire fence along the edge of the property, mm-hmm. and that's where I would I have, have my game cams. And then there's a enclosure, which it was probably a seven and a half foot fence, eight foot fence, um, mostly for coyotes to keep them away. Mm-hmm. We weren't really worried about the mountain lions coming around that close because, I mean, just didn't think that they were, you know, the house was probably five feet away. And we're, we're always home. We're always, you know, making noises. Um, yeah, we just didn't think anything would. Yeah. And so did you have another camera inside that fence as well? So I didn't start putting cameras until um, we had the incident. Um, I went out and uh, goats were dead. So, um, so how many goats do you have and how many did it kill? Like the first so time? We had two goats. Um, and it killed both of them. Um, and I had called Fish and Game to come out and, you know, maybe do something about it. Uh-huh. It was a little unnerving having, you know, a mountain lion that close to your house. We we have a two-year-old and a nine-month-old. Uh-huh. And so um called Fish and Game and they said that they were they would send somebody, a uh, biologist out. And so I was like, all right, um, you know, send a biologist out to trap it or. Right. What you, the term you were looking for was trapper. You will send a trapper out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was looking for, for, you know, we'll take care of the mountain lion. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Sort of thing. And she said that they would send a biologist out to, um, to determine that it was a mountain lion that killed it. Hmm. <laughs> and I was like, well, I know it was a mountain lion. It doesn't take a you know, rocket scientist to figure this one out. Right. Um, plus, we have it on camera that it came back the next day. And I was like, so, you, you know, can you send somebody out, like a warden or somebody, um, so I can talk to them at least about my options? And she said, there's no wardens in the area. Um, and they would have to, um, send the biologist out in, for, in order for me to get a permit, a harassment permit. I was like, a harassment permit, you know, what does that mean? And she said, in order for you to make loud noises, clapping and flashing lights at it, you need to have a harassment permit. What? Are you kidding? No, this is this is one hundred percent what she said. Oh my dude, California man, I, I know you live there, but geez, dude, I don't. I know, and so um, you know, in Texas, we just shoot them. Like you don't even have right. to have. There's no harassment, nothing. You you harass me, you get shot. <laughs> As it should be, you know. Um, if you're worried about you know your family and stuff, um, you probably go to jail though if you shot it, even if it was like so, coming at your so kids or you. That's kind of what she said is, um, I was like, well, I don't want a harassment permit. I want to shoot it in his head. Yeah. And she said, uh, well, you will go to jail, sir. I was like, okay, like, we'll send the warden out, you know? <laughs> it's such a weird dynamic where they value so, animal lives over people's lives. It's just. It's it's really frustrating, too, because um, I was like, well, what? how can I get a permit to kill it? And she said, well, you, it has to come back and kill. It has to have three separate kills. And two goats does, counts as one. At one, Each kill is an incident. 
and they all have to be reported and they all have to have a visit from a biologist to determine that it was a mountain lion that's killing these animals. Mm. And I'm like, I'm not going to wait, you know, for two other, all my other animals to get killed before, you know, I shoot it. I was like, I'm, I'm just going to shoot it. Like, I don't need your permission anyway. And she's like, you do need my permission. You will, you will go to jail. And you are my subject. Do as I say. Yeah. I almost, you know, just told her, you know, fuck off. You know, I'm just going to go shoot it anyway. (laughs) Um, I had filed a claim with the, uh, the fishing game. And so they have, they had all my information. And do they Um, reimburse people when they're, livestock no not at all no not at all i asked about that yeah they they don't pay for anything Mm -hmm. um so the next day the game warden called me and he's like i hear you know you're thinking about shooting the mountain lion and i'm like i mean i have no other choice you know i'm i'm kind of i'm in a position where like you know my family's way more important than any law here in California for, you know, for me to protect them. If I see it around and my kids are around, it's going to die. And he's like, you know, you have every right to do that. He's like, she didn't tell you, you know, you, you, that there is a game, a fishing game law that allows you to shoot that mountain lion if it attacks you or if it's a threat to you, your family or your animals. And I'm like, yeah, what are you talking about? You know, she didn't tell me that at all. And he's like, and he's like, yeah, she's a conservationist, so um, they they don't really put that information out. So, well, I'm a conservationist, but I'm a hunter. She's just a California yuppie, is what it sounds like, who's an anti-hunter. Yeah, hmm. yeah, it was, it, but by that time, you know, it was. I mean, we're probably four days in. Yeah. And it had already taken the goats away. Um, it wasn't coming back. So wait, so so you actually left the goats there, and it came back and got them. Yeah, it came back and got them. That's where I set up the cameras. Oh, okay. So, like, the next night it comes and gets its kills. Yeah. So, um, and then we had posted it to our neighbors' websites and, um, like, Neighborhood Watch sort of thing. And uh, everybody started talking about how, like, you know, we had goats missing. We had 10 sheep that got killed. We had six alpacas got killed. And we had two other goats got killed. And like all our neighbors have gotten attacked, like have had attacks on their animals. So, oh man, it's, yeah. And they didn't let us know about any of that stuff. So, and I'm sure all of these neighbors have reported it. Yeah. Um, so you guys are all calling the same place from the same neighborhood in the fish and game. Well, there's a word for that lady, but I'm not going to use it on the radio. <laughs> she doesn't even mention, like, she doesn't even think that that's, like, pertinent information that you should be privy to? Right. Uh, I mean, there's so many incidents there. That, that that line should have been shot by any one of you. Right. That's incredible, man. So when did all this happen? Um, It happened probably, it's been about a month, I think, maybe. Okay. So so recently, yeah, and so have you replaced the goats, or, or, or what is it? What's the latest? Is this is this lion still out in the neighborhood, wrecking havoc it's on people? It's got to be somewhere. I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I we haven't really yeah. looked into it, or you haven't gotten you know. new goats though. No. It's like, why am I going to feed this thing? Yeah. Huh. 
Wow, that is so crazy. I did not, I mean, the way that she handled that, just, man. Well, Texas will welcome you with arms wide open when you decide to move here. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, unfortunately, I I got to live here while I work here, so. Uh, I understand. I understand. Got to make a living, man. Um, yeah. Well, hey, I hope that it all gets sorted out for you. And, and so you caught that specific lion on camera the night that it did it, and then when it came back is when you actually moved the cameras into the yard. Right. The, okay. Yeah, all the good footage I got was when it came back. Yeah. Okay. Well, I also might want to get another dog, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Got to convince the wife. Like uh, maybe a, a Rhodesian Ridgeback. I think those things used to like be used for lion hunting in Africa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those, and they're sharp-looking dogs. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for taking time to visit with me, man. I just uh, I thought it was a fascinating video. You see some somebody's livestock being killed with like their house right there. It's not every day you see that, so... And then yeah, to, uh, it was, and I had no idea that we were gonna get all these uh, juicy details of how California thinks it's really. Hey, just no big deal. That lion's more important than you are. Yeah, uh, yeah. That that warden, ward, the warden guy was. He's super helpful and nice. And I mean, like, I wish I would have talked to him. You know, yeah. four days before that. Yeah. But there is a, a law. Uh, game warden i think it's 4807 i might have to look it up uh but so people know if you're in california go ahead and pop it right well that's good at least there's some still still some uh common sense so i hope that you get that opportunity yeah well right on josh well hey thanks again for your time man i certainly appreciate it yeah absolutely okay take care all right you too so there you have it uh man that's just insanity. A harassment permit so you can bang pots and make loud noises when the mountain lion's killing your wildlife or coming at your family. Crazy stuff. And, uh, you know, this California did this to themselves in 1990 when they banned all mountain lion hunting. And here we have, uh, 30 years later, the repercussions. So uh, pretty good model of what not to do when it comes to wildlife management. Feel bad for Josh and... Every California resident who has to deal with just the absurdity of putting an animal's well-being ahead of that of uh, actual human beings. Wow, crazy stuff. Uh, that segment brought to you by First Light and the new Obsidian Foundry Pants. Finally got mine in yesterday. Absolutely love these things. Knee pads, game changer. Of course, the uh, merino wool that you've come to love from first light and vented uh well in the places where you tend to get a little hot and bothered they got vents there too check it out it's the obsidian foundry pant you can find it at firstlight.com we'll be right back with uh what are we doing next oh yeah my buddy cody cox will be here in studio to tell us all about the buffalo run basically an automobile race from buffalo gap texas to the rim of the grand canyon and back here's the catch you have to do it and a jalopy. We'll discuss on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Yes, I'll meet you in the middle. Well, ain't nobody told me it'd be this hard. Yes, I'll meet you in the middle. Our night vision and thermal imaging has been helping hunters light up the night for over a decade now. I've been with them for quite some time. Back in the early days, 
thermal optics were pretty expensive. You might not realize it, though. The average guy can get into a thermal rifle scope these days very affordably. I've got the Thermion XP50. Absolutely love that scope. It's got a diverse color palette, lots of options to choose from, whether you want white hot, uh, black hot, red hot, you name it. There's tons of options, literally. It's got internal recording as well, and it's got internal and external battery options. So you can hunt all night without having to worry about running out of batteries. You can find the Thermion XP50 as well as their entire lineup of thermal and night vision optics right there at PulsarNV.com. Spawn is right around the corner. Your reels have been re-spooled and the tackle box is ready to roll. But the question is, can your truck handle another season of pulling your boat in and out of the water every weekend? Call David Boone at Third Coast Diesels. He'll make sure your truck is not what sinks your next fishing trip. Offering a widespread array of diesel parts and services, call 214-326-1176 or visit thirdcoastdiesels.com today. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by friends over at Mossberg Firearms. $1,000 car, in the name of that one, uh, from the Bottle Rockets, which is absolutely perfect because our next guest is going to wish he had a $1,000 car when it comes to participating in Buffalo Run. And Cody Cox is here in studio. He's going to tell us all about this endeavor. Uh, it's for a great cause. We'll get into that momentarily. This segment is brought to you by Vortex Wear. That's the apparel arm of Vortex Optics. Of course, they've been making great hoodies and T-shirts for a long time, uh, but they've got a full lineup of outdoor uh, leisure and apparel as well as, as the uh, T-shirts and hats and stuff you've come to love. You can save 20% off your entire order of Vortex Wear when you use my promo code LONESTAR20 at checkout. Vortex, the force of optics. And with that being said, uh, my good friend, longtime friend, Cody Cox is here in studio. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks, man. It's good to have you in studio. You made Absolutely. the trek all the way from uh, Buffalo Gap. That's right, Buffalo Gap, Texas. We appreciate all the help we can get. Yeah, which uh, I've made quite a few stops through there. We we became friends like, what, 15? 12, oh, yeah. 15 years yeah, ago? 15 years ago, probably, through, through a, and fishing. And, uh, well, let's call a spade a spade. It's an online dating forum for dudes. That's, that's, that's exactly what hunting right. forums bromance. are. Bromance. <laughs> yeah, bromance for days. So. Yep, and uh, oddly enough, had a lot of really long... I've noticed most of the hunting forum relationships have lasted a lot longer than most of the people married at the time. Right. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, so we, uh, we've hunted a couple times together, but... We're on a constant group text. The hunting forum has gone for for me for a lot of us. Right, gone yeah. by the wayside. But we were on a group text absolutely. with a, a lot of guys. Uh, my from wife that. thinks we're absolutely insane. A bunch of grown men that literally <laughs> talk daily for the better part of fifteen years. Yeah. You know, for over a decade, which daily. we don't even see. We see each other like a couple times a year. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and people come, people go. We had one guy die. You know, unfortunately. Yeah. And, uh, speaking of, when we get into this event, we've got a great tribute to him. Uh, the rest of this group text put together a, a tribute to him so yeah it's uh it's an interesting dynamic but literally you know some of my best friends and some of the people i talk to on a daily basis you know we've met through these uh, through hunting and fishing and through these types of uh, these th 
these avenues. Yeah. Well, you got something. Uh, so one other thing. So you're kind of on the way to New Mexico. So when I draw a New Mexico tag, I that's just, right. I meet up with my buddy and yep. we leave a truck at your house. There. That works. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll handle the parking. Yeah. Which uh, I did draw again this year. So there you go. We'll see I you will, in a couple months. Yeah. <laughs> sign up for parking at your place there. Um, you also, um, your family has some land out west too that you we do. We've got mule deer hunt on. Fortunate enough to have some stuff in the Panhandle west of uh, west of Amarillo and uh, some stuff around Junction and we uh, we've been very fortunate. We've kind of had uh, in the family the best of both worlds. So uh, beautiful, unspoiled country, and there's not many, uh, not much of it left. So mostly mule deer out there. Mostly mule deer. We're starting to see some whitetails on occasion. Uh, it's kind of odd, you know. You go one side of one side of Amarillo, and you get a lot of whitetails, and you go north of the interstate, and there's uh, there's not very many. So mm-hmm. it's uh, they're finally bleeding through, but it's not been near as fast as I thought it would. Well, you shot a nice mule deer a couple years ago. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Ever uh, uh, we we manage it pretty heavily, and uh, like I said, it's a it's a family place, and we don't uh, don't take a lot off of there. And um, you know, it's about every five years, you know, we'll kill a good one, and the rest of the time we enjoy watching them. So yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about Buffalo Run. This is uh, essentially it's a race. That's right. Well, yeah. it's not a race because that's a felony. Oh, so it's an event. <laughs> okay. That's what we're calling it. So, uh, if you now speaking of hunting, fishing, this came uh, came about sitting around, spitting in the fire, drinking beer, uh, cussing and discussing one evening, and we had the there was there's a bunch out of Lampasas. They do a race called to the Cracking Back, which. Uh, they leave Lampasas, race to the Grand Canyon and back every year, and they've been doing it for several years, and uh, they uh, have a pretty good cash pot going. Well, the more we, we discussed doing their race, the more we talked about it, the more excited we got, and the more people got in, involved, and um, it didn't take us long to figure, man, this could be a heck of a fundraiser. So uh, we, we've got a local charity that we, we got involved with, and this thing has absolutely blown up overnight. And I'll tell you, the, the meat and the potatoes of it, we're racing, well, See, I keep saying racing. <laughs> this event, a rally style event, picture cannonball run with zero class. That's kind of the way we're going. So, um, Buffalo Gap, Texas, to the south rim of the Grand Canyon and back. But, Buffalo Gap's just out of outside of Abilene. Yeah, yeah about 15 miles south yeah. of Abilene. So, uh, 918 miles west of the Grand Canyon and back, which doesn't sound like all that bad with modern equipment. But here's the deal you cannot spend more than $500 on your vehicle. <laughs> And then you can't spend more than $500 working on your vehicle after you've got it, not including safety stuff. So uh, needless to say, there's quite a few people probably not going to make it back. So it's going to be interesting. (laughs) That's the best part, man. So there's this huge after party for, I guess, scheduled for what, 36 hours after? we're figuring finish time 24 to 30 hours. So uh, we're hoping we make it back in 30 hours. And that's it. You know, it's gone from a competitive race to – uh, kind of a Mad Max parade, really, you know, and I, I'm just hoping we make it back. You know, it went from yeah. we hope we win to we just want to make it back for the party. So, yeah. uh, departing June 4th from Buffalo Gap, return. Uh, they're having a big street dance music festival from noon to 9 p.m. on the 5th. So, we've got a nine hour window to hit the party. <laughs> so, that's what we're shooting for. There will be teams that don't make it back. That's there has right. To be, when Absolutely. you're driving a $500 jalopy, oh, yeah. Uh, how many miles? 
uh, about eighteen hundred. Eighteen hundred miles yeah, in a car that you can't way. spend more than five hundred oh, bucks yeah. on. Yeah, it's a train wreck. And uh, we've got there's going to be some stranded people. Oh, absolutely. And the the vehicles are phenomenal, and the team camaraderie that is developed over this deal is just insane. We've got uh, our team. Uh, we let our highest sponsor name our team. We bought a pink nineteen ninety three pink Dodge van. Started out its life as a mortuary van, hmm. and then a real uh, not a realtor a florist bought it, painted it hot pink. And uh, decorated it up. So we uh, we purchased this thing for five hundred dollars. Did not run until Sunday. We've had it four months. Finally got it running on Sunday. <laughs> and now, mind you, less than a month from now, we're going to drive it eighteen hundred miles. Right. And it's been running a day now. So, yeah, it's um, it's getting interesting. We've got an eighty. I believe it's about an eighty-two country squire, uh, country squire station wagon. That one's a peach. I mean, yeah, Griswolds. All the way. I mean, it's fantastic. I told them if they don't have a leash and a dog collar hanging off the back, the back bumper, they're they're doing a great disservice. But uh, yeah, it's just a collection. Like I said, it has turned into a Mad Max deal. We've got a guy that bought a five hundred dollar cab over Freightliner, like legit Smokey and the Bandit semi truck. Wow! And uh, he's wanting to run it out there. And uh, yeah, it's it, it has turned into a beast. It's going to be fun. So hopefully everyone has a mechanic that's either on their team or like is a good friend that Absolutely. wants to donate their time. Yeah, yeah, and that's the deal. Team, no limit to team members, however many you want to haul. We've got four on our team. Uh, Steve Schooley at Schooley Saddlery, who's a saddle maker slash mechanic. Um, my wife that can drive 18 hours solid without stopping. Another guy that's a heck of a shade tree mechanic, and I am absolute dead weight. I got nothing. <laughs> I'm social media like a 12-year-old girl in the back seat. That's it. So – Obviously, this is going. It's it's a it's for a good cause. Tell Absolutely. us a little bit about what who, who's benefiting from Camp this. Camp Able of Buffalo Gap is the name, and if you're not familiar with them, um, you'd be doing yourself a disservice not to look into these people. Uh, they are an organization. Uh, equine and Human Rescue is how they're uh, kind of how they're built, and and they mean just that. You know, they uh, they take in horses, abandoned horses, but they train these horses, which if anybody uh, has has messed with livestock at all, know how challenging this is. But um, they train these horses and use them for equine and riding therapy for uh, children with autism, children with developmental disorders, uh, various physical handicaps. They also do a ton with veterans, with PTSD, with uh, with rehab. I mean, it's it's a phenomenal organization. Uh, they're feeding currently, I think, 58 horses or something like that, and they have about 15 to 20 of those that they use in their rehab programs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're talking putting a medically fragile child on the back of a horse. These horses are bomb-proof. I mean, they, uh, it's, it's amazing the work they do. Um, and if you haven't looked into that therapy, especially for autistic kids, um, you know, it's, it, the effects of that, uh, that treatment are absolutely insane. They had a kid, uh, Renee Hicks, the, the one that founded the deal. They had an 8-year-old uh, nonverbal um was in a wheelchair they got him up first time they led the horse by the kids hollering and yelling doesn't want anything to do with this horse now mind you had not spoken ever in his life mm-hmm. um hadn't seen his mother i think his biological mother if i remember the story right his bi- biological mother uh he hadn't been around her since she was since he was two um renee scooped him up and said next time you bring that horse by we're getting on like we're hanging on for dear life and she said it's like wrestling a bobcat i mean this kid's going nuts they lead the horse back by the ramp. She hops on with this kid. The second that kid's rear end hit the saddle, instant react. I mean, just completely relaxed. All the stress, all the tension in his muscles went away, and the kid instantly started humming a song that his mother used to sing him when he was two years old. Wow. Went on from there. The kid starts 
verbalizing and starts communicating. I mean, it's it's insane the effect that it has. You know, mm-hmm. it's they're doing the Lord's work. Yeah. Well, and just going back to our group text, I mean, there's other ways to raise money for this, but Cody just sends out a text to everyone. It's like, hey, send me twenty dollars, or you probably hate autistic That's kids right. and, yeah, and if puppies. You don't send me money. <laughs> if you don't send me money, I need a dissertation on which you hate more veterans or autistic kids. I mean, that's the, it's an easy sales pitch. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, but that, I mean, obviously there's other ways to contribute. Uh, people can buy sponsorship places on the uh, Absolutely. vehicles. Absolutely. If uh, you've got a business you want to, uh, want to promote, uh, like I said, we've got uh, our social media following is gaining ground every day. We're kind of behind the eight ball. This is going to be an annual deal, but this year we're starting up and, uh, and kind of starting small, but, um, yeah, business sponsorships, individual sponsorships. Um, you can donate directly to camp able it's uh, www.camp-able.org. Uh-huh. Um, you can donate on their site. Um, all the Buffalo run adventure stuff. Um, like I said, we started selling $25 sponsorships. Uh, Cable just handed me a stack a stack of Lone Star Outdoor stickers. Um, and we put out a deal on Facebook and said, you know, 25 bucks, send us a sticker, and $25, we'll slap it on the van, take it to the Grand Canyon, uh, or 35 bucks, and we'll make you a sticker. And when we did this, we were sitting at karaoke at a, at a place there in Abilene. Mm-hmm. And before we left, had $750 come in on Venmo oh, for wow. stickers. So, yeah, like I said, it's an easy deal to get behind, and it's fun. I mean, yeah. we're having a blast. So there are some some rules, some interesting rules. That's uh, a fact. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's something that's often overlooked uh, when we talk about it. Uh, I like the speeding ticket rule. Oh yeah. Well, you know, it's not a big challenge to drive a five hundred dollar vehicle eighteen hundred miles. I mean, there's nothing to that really. So uh, we had to institute some challenges and rules in there. Speeding tickets. Uh, Cable mentioned speeding tickets. You can get speeding ticket sponsors if you want. But if you get more than three speeding tickets, you're disqualified. <laughs> so you know we'll kind of curb the curb the insanity there. But yeah. uh, along the way, but you can get people to pay for your tickets. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> We've got a speeding ticket sponsor. Uh, he said we'll we'll pay for everything you get. But you know, and we talked about that with the with the Freightliner. That guy's got a CDL. I don't see him <laughs> affording to get very many tickets on the way. But yeah, um, on the other side of things, there's challenges you have to complete. Uh, on the way there and on the way back just to kind of, you know, it's, it makes it hard to fudge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't take a shortcut. So say, uh, take a picture of your whole team at Billy, the kid's grave in Fort Sumner, uh, take a picture on the corner in Winslow, Arizona, ride a stick horse in Gallup, New Mexico, uh, shoot fireworks with an absolute stranger, uh, get a picture with a, a non-ticketing police officer. That's going to be the big <laughs> kicker. The ticketing one, I don't think is going to be an issue, right. but the non-ticketing police officer. So, yeah, it's uh, that, and we're, we're crossing state lines during COVID time, so that's going to be interesting. I need to read up on that. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an adventure. Do y'all have, like, an energy drink sponsor? Well, or? we've been working on that. <laughs> I've got, uh, got a buddy that runs a Pepsi plant there. and we. Oh, yeah, yeah, we talked to the Red Bull folks. Uh, no Man's Land Beef Jerky, I think they're going to uh-huh. hook us up, so... Yeah, we'll have uh, anybody. We have an energy drink sponsor out there. We're all about it because good gravy. It's gonna, it's gonna be a nightmare. Like I said, oh. you know, we had all these plans, and the guys that have run it before, we had all these plans. Well, we'll swap out every two hours or swap out a fuel tank. And he said, dude, all that goes out the window. He said, it's once you're on the road. He said, it's literally an adrenaline rush. He said, <laughs> nobody sleeps. He said, you can have twelve people and nobody sleeps the whole time. Right. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's a hoot. We got one uh, one group putting together a school bus, and I don't know if you if you heard Jared Medulla. Yeah, uh, Texas country pick. Oh yeah, he's and, been right here in the studio. Oh, has he? Yeah, Jared's uh, known Jared for a long time. Uh, you know, we got to cussing and discussing at Outlaws and Legends. There's a bunch out there that's putting together a school bus. 
they're all dressing like inmates, putting detention center on the side. The driver of the school bus is wearing a guard uniform, and <laughs> Jared's in the back picking the whole way. So it's going to be, a, like I said, it has turned into more of a parade than a race. So uh-huh. we're looking forward to it. So how many teams do we have? Right now, it's funny. I drove, you know, had a three-hour drive here and had uh, four more teams sign up on the way here. So uh, last week, this time, I was terrified. I thought, man, we're not going to have enough people. This is going to be horrible. You know, we're not going to make any money. Dude, it has been coming in this week. So right now, I think we've got between 15 and 17 teams with vehicles bought. Um, And as far as I know, well, everybody's playing their cards a lot better than I am. Like I said, I'm like a 12-year-old girl on social media. As soon as something exciting happens, i got to put it out there and start talking trash. Yeah. So – like I said, we've got some phenomenal vehicles, and most of them that I know of are running right now. So we'll see. You know, we have 17 teams shot up. We may not have five make it without blowing a head gasket <laughs> to, the, to the start line, you know. Uh, is, are there any, uh, like, side bets on, like, or like like, like a Calcutta? Is there oh, any yeah. that action yeah. going now, on? Let me tell you something. There's a sponsor Calcuttas. We've got uh, a couple of air conditioning uh, Air conditioning. Air conditioning. Companies. I wonder how many of these vehicles yeah. have air conditioning. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be a big <laughs> kicker, you know, and that, believe me, that weighed heavily on the start time. Do we start Thursday night where we're driving through Arizona in the, in the dark, or do we, yeah, you know, June in Arizona is going to be very interesting. Uh, like I said, we've got a 93 Dodge van. We may put a generator on the bumper and slap a window unit in that sucker. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's going to be interesting. We had a couple of vans. Actually, the uh, the folks that bought the big, giant Griswold station wagon had a van starting out, and we had a little van side pot. But, um, but yeah, we've got a couple of vans. We've got a little side pot, 106.9. I think it's the radio station that uh, there in Abilene. They bought a – one of their guys bought an old van. So we got van versus van on that deal. So we'll see. Like I said, it's a, it's a no-limits deal. It's, it's insane. I mean, the money coming in is ridiculous. So what was the goal starting out the first year? I'll tell you, the goal first year, I thought if we can raise $10,000 for Camp Able, then we will be doing good. And right now, um, collected, we're sitting mid-20s, uh, 26000 27000 um, And pledged, we've got a little over 30000 So, And like I said, it's really picking up steam here the last three weeks. So, um, And the reason we're raising this money, uh, Camp Able now meets at Renee Hicks, the founder at her home west of Buffalo Gap. She's got an arena and stuff out there. And, uh, outdoor arena but like i said you know we got medically fragile kids in uh, middle of july in buffalo gap texas you know we're talking 105 degrees and you can't yeah. get those kids out in that weather and uh, the last couple of weeks we've had a lot of rain and and same for that you know they got to cancel these sessions so um, they've bought a new property and we're looking to build a, a covered arena out there and uh, that's that was the impetus for this whole this whole thing you know is to speed up that mission as quickly as possible uh like I said, they, they've canceled a lot of sessions here lately, and, and the progress that these kids make is dependent on, on regular therapy. You know, uh-huh. So uh, the goal is to make their, uh, their facilities, uh, make it where they can utilize those facilities 365 days a year. So they're, uh, they're, they're willing to do the work. So, you know, like I said, we want to speed up that timeline as much as possible. Um, you can figure half a million to, you know, a million five, anywhere in between, you know, they've got a, got a mission of growth, but the way building costs are up right now, you know, it's insane. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's been ridiculous and I hate to be that conspiracy guy, but you know, I think we're looking at at least another three years before we can, uh, before we can expect any of that stuff to come back down in price. So like I said, we want to speed it up as quickly as we can. Yeah. So, uh, what do the winners actually get anything? Well, uh, the cash prize. Besides bragging rights? Oh, yeah. Well, bragging rights is where it's all at. You know, uh, we've got, um, 
a trophy that I'm I'm working on now that'll be a traveling trophy come back each year. Uh, we'll take probably the whole team to carry it, you know, to carry it away from the the, the winter circle. So my goal is to get it over 200 pounds when I'm done with it. So <laughs> we'll see, we'll see with my amateur welding skills. Uh, speaking of group text, you know, you've got a bottle of whiskey around here somewhere in a cage. I may yeah. recruit that guy to, to, to help me weld on the trophy some, but. Um, but yeah, the winner, uh, the entry fee is $300, 200 of that goes directly to camp able. 100 goes into a cash pot winner take all, um, not only that, but the good folks at Sheridan buckles put us together some trophy buckles with the race logo, uh, and top earner on it. So the, the people that bring in the most money, because in my opinion, that's what this is about. You know, Mm -hmm. whoever gets back first with the most speeding tickets, I don't care about that. Uh, whoever can bring in the most cash is, uh, is, you know, that's the, that's the, the real winner in my book, but uh, they putting us together some some trophy buckles for that first place team on the the highest earner, and I'll uh, throw down a challenge right now. The pink van or has been dubbed Van Halen, Van Halen, Van Halen. It's a little obvious, but mm-hmm. it works, you know. Uh, I would venture to say if anyone can beat us at fundraising, I will never have been so happy to lose something in my <laughs> life. Dude. We're I will say we're killing it. So yeah. good luck. And so, what is the uh, what is the website? Both for how can people find out about this uh right. it's not it's a rally it's That's, not a race it's the rally yep. yeah uh buffalo run adventure.com is kind of the basics it's got links to our social media on there as well uh most of the trash talk goes down in the facebook group where uh we're working to build up instagram and and tiktok tiktok's liable to be that's liable to far surpass it and cable and i and like i said this this group text is we we discuss all manner of important things mainly you know tiktok is from china they're terrible but right i don't care what anybody said tiktok is amazing it's incredibly entertaining he, cody sends me these tiktok links i can't even watch the damn videos because he won't like, watch i them. don't have tiktok well it's not even that he just refuses to watch them because he's that anti-china yeah well, it is what it is <laughs> That's I, right. I liked uh the way the the old uh, potus dealt with china I but, agree. hey kiss my ass i agree not the new one who was so eager to jump back into bed with him before, yeah, uh, you in know. a hurry i mean before oh oh, oh gas went up <laughs> yeah. who saw that coming yeah. everything yeah. yeah like i said and that's another thing uh gas prices are up in the middle of our 1800 mile race in uh uh, the station wagon, by the way, has a 454 in it, so they're going to pass everything <laughs> but a gas station. So, yeah, that may be interesting, especially yeah. running across uh, notoriously blue New Mexico and uh, purplish Arizona. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. Did I when I was I was bear hunting in New Mexico in October and stopped in uh, Taos for a night. I had the dog with me. We we got the bear and we were going to just go do some grouse uh, right. hunting and some fly fishing. Yeah, and. I could not believe that people are walking out, walking around outside with masks on. Oh yeah, outside. Oh, the best ever, Matthew McConaughey this week. Did you see that? He had a mask on. Oh, in Utah, oh. like he was posing on top of a rock in Moab, out in the middle of nowhere. That won't not another do him soul. any favor for uh, Texans that were thinking about voting for. Him. Yes, yeah, and I'm, uh, dude, you're wearing a mask in Moab. I think it was just, in Utah somewhere, literally out in the desert, standing on a rock by himself for miles. It, where it makes sense, fine. Wear a mask. I don't care. Yeah. Outside doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Oh man. All right. So the website one more time. Uh, BuffaloRunAdventure.com. Buffalo Run and Adventure Challenge. Who do you have lined up to play the uh, party that you're we've not going to make it to this year? We've got. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's why we didn't hustle so hard on the street dance. I yeah. may not make it back. Let's yeah. face it. You know, I'm going to save the when I've got a ringer of a vehicle. Then we'll line up some real talent. <laughs> no, we have got some phenomenally talented guys. Uh, we've got some local bands playing. 
uh, new up and comer. If you hadn't checked him out, dude, Brett Patterson, uh, this kid, he actually goes to Weatherford College right down the sure. road, and he plays all over the Metroplex. But he played our crawfish bowl every year. Uh, every spring we kind of have a neighborhood crawfish bowl, and we had him play in the backyard. And uh, got to be the hardest working kid. And, and uh, I can't – I think what he called it, Americinda, hmm. uh, Texas hard country. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, the, the kid is phenomenal. And there's not many 19-, 20-year-old kids that will start a show with Nirvana and, uh, you know, finish with their own Texas country stuff. So – uh, we've got him playing the Josh Jennings band. Uh, he's a local guy. He does phenomenal work. We've got, uh, like I said, we've got nine hours of live music lined up. Mm. So uh, it's going to be fun. And, and this year, you know, obviously the biggest challenge with these things is obviously we want to give as much money as we possibly can to the to the cause. Uh, and you see these things go one of two ways. The first couple of years, you can spend all your money on the party or you can give all your money to the cause, you know. So we're fortunate enough to have some local musicians that uh, – that have a massive following and and like i said they're uh, you put them on the main stage and it's uh it's a good time so you know we'll worry about that in the future uh, yeah you know putting the like i said this thing has been a freaking nightmare i expected to be a bunch of buddies doing this and it's turned into an absolute animal so next year we'll actually have committees and stuff where we're yeah. not just bearing the brunt but we'll have full-on music festival by the time this is over by the way, next year, uh, this year's the Grand Canyon, next year's Graceland. So oh, next wow. year ought to show that ought to be a good show. It, you know? uh, I'm interested to see the Elvis themed vehicles rolling in there. So wait yeah. on the pink Cadillac. Right on. Well, awesome stuff, man. I appreciate you uh, making the trek. Three hours, that's a far cry from the Grand Canyon. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I, I don't know if I I mean I kinda want you to make it back, but you know, in our <laughs> the true fashion of of our friendship, I almost am cheering for you That's just right. to get stranded yeah, somewhere absolutely. that don't know where well, in a pink van. Mom and dad live in the panhandle, and I said, "Look, I'm gonna need y'all to hook up a car hauler, go hang out in like Albuquerque. Yeah, you know, just kind of hang out halfway, you know." So, and I told the guy with the semi, I said, "Dude, rig that thing up where it'll run, buy a car hauler, charge people another hundred dollar donation to haul them home." So, you know, <laughs> we're gonna make money to the end of this deal. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's a good time, and I appreciate your uh, appreciate your help getting the word out there. Like I said, it's uh, as worthy a cause as I've come across. You know, I've uh, been asked to donate and been get involved with uh, with a million different charities. But as far as um, immediate results and boots on the ground work, I mean, this is Camp Abel's where it's at, man. They're they're killing it. Well, awesome stuff, man, for a great cause. Thanks for dropping by the studio and uh, look forward to seeing how this thing plays out. Sounds good, man. Thank you. All right. There he goes. My good friend, Cody Cox. What a great cause. Buffalo run. That's going to. Uh, it's going to result in some hysteria. I know that for a fact. We'll see how many of those guys actually make it back to Buffalo Gap from the uh, Grand. Uh, probably half of them won't even get to the Grand Canyon. It's going to be, it's going to be something I'm going to be following along with. That's for sure. Uh, that segment brought to you by Lone Star Ad Credit. Land is the one thing they're not making anymore, but we all want it. If you're ready to take that next step to make that plunge, make your dream your reality. Head over to LoneStarAdCredit.com. They've been helping their borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. They'll do the same for you. Coming up next, we'll take a four-state turkey trek with Kevin Harlander, our old buddy from First Light, right here on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. There's 
there's something nostalgic about the old-timey general store, and that's exactly what you're going to find in downtown Goldwave, Texas, at the Mills County General Store. They're licensed FFL with rifle, pistols, and shotguns, ammo, gun accessories, hunting accessories, deer, corn, and attractants, sporting goods. They've got a wide array of knives to choose from, plus insulated apparel for both work and camo for hunting season fishing supplies they've got foods like anchor tea grass-fed beef dublin sodas gourmet sauces and a whole lot more also ace hardware from wall to wall they have it all check it out the mills county general store right there in goldweight texas hi brett jepson here with three curl lease connection i'd like to invite you to come enjoy some of texas best dove hunting just minutes outside of dallas we have many private dove leases available for this upcoming season including milo wheat sunflower and cornfields leases come in different sizes and prices so we can fit anyone's budget we have the lease that's perfect for you and your group we don't overcrowd multiple groups into one property and you'll have the first pick at renewing your lease for years to come please visit us at threecurl.com and click on leases for your property listings that's t-h-r-e-e-c-u-r-l.com There's some money on the table and a pistol on the floor Some old paperback books of Louis Lamont She says, honey, don't worry about judgment All these people going to heaven, they're just in our way There's a little Hayes Carl bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here. Thanks so much for dropping by today as we are about to head on a turkey hunting adventure uh, like few others that I've heard about, a four-state turkey trot. Uh, And we'll do that with our friend Kevin Harlander of First Light. But first, this segment is brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. They continue to put their money where their mouth is, and they are passionate about protecting your rights as hunters, educating the public, and, of course, conservation. For more info, check us out at safariclub.org. All right. Uh, Well, let's bring him on now. Always uh, a treat to get to visit with our old pal, Kevin Harlander of First Light. Thanks for being here. You bet, man. Pleasure to be back. It's been a little while. It has been. Well, you've been uh, you've been on the road quite a bit here this spring. Yeah, it's funny. I was telling my girlfriend that oh, spring twenty one doesn't look that bad, and then all of a sudden we were gone for like three and a half weeks, and it was it was nuts, man. And we're still going. I think we got the better part of May still left to try to kill some more turkeys, and I uh, got a bear hunt scheduled. So we'll see what happens. Nice, nice. Yeah, I got that uh, black bear in New Mexico. And in October, yep. so I wasn't, I guess I just wasn't that mad at the bears this spring. Yeah. Just leave them alone for a season, but. Gosh, uh, more and more, man. I, you know, I've bear hunted quite a bit. I actually haven't killed a bear in the West. I've just been with a lot of guys that have and run dogs and stuff. I just like going, but yeah. I am so sick on the Turkey thing. It's just crazy. Like, <laughs> I don't know what happened, but it's almost like it fulfills that void of, uh, of that elk season withdrawal a little bit. Cause you're like communicating with the birds. It's mm-hmm. just nothing better in the springtime man although we we uh we had some conditions this year that were not very uh, uh i should say they were adverse to normal turkey hunting situations so i'm sure we'll talk about that yeah well I, your season was uh, a lot different than mine i i haven't so i haven't talked about this on the air but i have one turkey on my deer lease one turkey one gobbler three hens that i've seen um i know it's the same gobbler he roosted in the same place i was actually out there easter weekend 
uh, my buddy and his kids and my family out there to go hog hunting. And we hear this gobbler and the next morning, the season opens up. So that was like Friday night, Saturday morning season opens up. So I roost him. I go hunt him. He doesn't play ball, but he, dude, he talks, he's talks nonstop, never yeah. shuts up, but wouldn't come in the next day on Sunday. I go, I set up closer to his roost and finally he's not coming. So I just basically bust into where he is and, uh, sit down still takes an hour and a half for me to call him in and he comes strutting in but the whole time he's talking 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 going off never heard a gobbler gobbler gobble more which was weird because uh uh, mark jury told me recently um during a conversation that he said he thinks turkeys have like a uh like a fuel box like just imagine they fill up their tank and they only can gobble so much during a day not this son of a bitch dude you just going nonstop all Um, day unbelievable Yeah. yeah So he finally comes in. I'm seeing he's strutting in, he's strutting in, and freaking this hen walks between me and him. And <laughs> instead of coming to my decoy now, he's following her. Yeah. So I tried to shoot him at like 45, 50 yards, and I just hit him in the body. I didn't, I didn't get his head, and he ran yeah. off. I was like, oh man, I hope I didn't hurt him. You know, yeah. got pictures of him every day for the next week. And, oh, uh, nice. So he's good. That no, turkey still lives. No, he's still fine. Yeah, but I've hunted him three or four times since then, <laughs> dude. So now, if you call, he should. He doesn't. He'll he'll gobble his head off until you call. Forget about it. So uh, Henry and I, I, I talked to this biologist too. Um, his, his last name's Chamberlain. I forgot what his first name was. Oh, but, Mike uh, Chamberlain. Yeah, yeah. I talked to Mike the other day, and and I felt conflicted. Like at the time, I didn't know he was only turkey, and we don't always have turkeys every spring on this property. Anyway, I was like, should I even try to kill him? He's like, well. You know, what are your neighbors doing? And I was like, they don't, they're not even hunting turkeys. He's like, well, then it's just a transient deal. Like sometimes you have them, sometimes you don't, you're not going to hurt the population and you're probably on the fringe of the habitat area. So it's not like you're going to have a viable population on your right. 600 acres anyway. So he's like, I see no problem with hunting him. So yeah. we go back to hunting him. It's raining. I take Henry out there and, and he, he did say, you might have to deer hunt him, like sit, yeah. sit there and just wait. I was like, ah, I don't want to do that, but yeah, it was it's raining. Like, that's not why we hunt him. <laughs> yeah. So it was raining. So we did sit there. Henry and I sat there. I was planning on sitting all day and he was like, dad, 10 a.m. He's like, I, I, I got to get out of this blind and do yeah. something else. Yeah. So I never did get him. Our season ends. As, uh, as well, it's over now. So yeah. he, he lives on. But well, uh, that's the elusive gobbler. We've got this bird over in Eastern Oregon where I used to live. And we named this ridge Nemesis Ridge because uh-huh. a buddy of mine went in there with me two seasons ago. Couldn't kill him. Spent two days trying to do it. We went in. The last spring couldn't kill him. And I, I don't think he's the same bird, but that whole ridge is just like loaded mm. with birds and they just don't do the thing, you know? Yeah. I don't know if we're just hitting it at the right, wrong time or whatever, but it just seems like the birds will gobble their brains out. They'll get down, they'll gobble once and then they shut up. And mm. it's got to be something to do with just the loaded amount of hens in there. But we finally killed a couple of jakes in there this year with my brother, which is like, we're close, you know? <laughs> we're not yeah. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My general thoughts on killing a jake are, how is my season going? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's going pretty yeah. crappy, then uh, Jake's are fair game. So well, I just like eating them. So it's like, that's oh, really better yeah. to me. They're a little smaller, obviously, but man, they taste good. Well, I think also if you're hunting on public land, that oh, yeah. change that tilts things a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, well, that's interesting. The old nemesis bird, you got one on your hands. You think he'll stick around or you think he's going to? I don't stick? think so because they're, they're only here during the spring. Oh. And I had three jakes last spring, killed one of them. Uh, didn't see any turkeys all winter. And then, you know, springtime comes this year. And this is the first gobbler, actual long beard I've seen. This is my fourth year on there. Oh, so, no 
I hope he comes back next year, but he's been yeah. shot, so he's pretty educated. <laughs> he knows. He's got some, some literally, dude. Movies. And he's been I've hunted him, I think, a total of four days, like full days, uh yeah. since that first encounter and haven't laid eyes on him. But I see him on trail cameras all the time. Yeah, I don't feel so bad for you after your experience down in southern Texas, though. Yeah, South so that, Texas, yeah. Southern Texas wouldn't be the right way to say it, right? No, no. But it's like the valley almost. But King Coast meets the valley, you know, King yeah. Ranch area. But yeah, that's you. You helped me discover those stupid birds down there. Oh my god! On that nil guy hunt, they yeah. were like throwing rocks in the air and they gobble. They slam a truck door. They gobble. And this was like June, wasn't it? Or was it May? Nice? Uh, it was. It was late May. Yeah. 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 But late, late, and they were just hammering. It was awesome. Yeah. So they're still doing that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I bet. it looked like it. Yeah. Um, how many how many minutes do you think consecutively you've hunted that place in the last two seasons and, and filled your tags? Uh so this year I hunted probably an hour. Yeah. I killed two birds. And last year I hunted about eight minutes. That's pretty good. Two birds. An hour and eight <laughs> minutes with four birds. That's uh yeah. you don't hear that ever. <laughs> yeah. And Chisholm's killed three birds and he could have lined up. He could have shot all four if he wanted to on the day that he hunted, but he got on a turkey lease and didn't want to pay the extra money to yeah, I get you. to to put another tag on one of those birds. You. But uh, one other funny, I mean, you saw the video of just how crazy it was oh, yeah, down there. Nuts. But one funny thing, we, we got back to camp on Friday night after I shot my birds and we're starting to make dinner. No, we, we closed the truck door. Gobble, 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 gobble. Just firing off. You know that where we skinned the nil guy? Yeah, yeah there's a turkey roosting right there and we're sleeping on that slab essentially yeah. i mean we got our tent right there uh so he goes off he he sounds off and we're like getting out of the truck we're making racket but we hear the turkey right above us and we think that he must have just left because he didn't say anything else we get in the truck the next morning shut the door gobble he never left we we turned <laughs> on the we turned a generator on we i mean like um and, they're silly and man dr chamberlain yeah. was like yeah they, they don't they they have uh, very poor like night vision and and oh, yeah. probably he just felt safer just shutting up even though he knew people were down there. Oh yeah. And I mean literally like the tree my truck's parked under he stayed there all night long it's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, those things are either the dumbest things in the world or the smartest thing just depends on the day. Yeah. And it changes too when they're in the tree man when they're on the ground it's a different bird for sure. Yeah. Um, they're all awkward and weird in the tree and then they get down and they're suddenly like this apex prey species that can just like outwit you it's crazy like velociraptors oh yeah. yeah such a cool bird man we had an instance this year where that bird one of the birds coming in's head went from white to blue to red back to blue back to red like six times it was just the footage is incredible i can't wait to share that but um, yeah, just such a strange animal you know I, I think that's one of the reasons i enjoy hunting him so much too is that not only you're hunting him in the spring when it's supposed to be nice out but um you get this crazy animal that changes so much day to day. Um, oh yeah. Just a phenomenal thing to do. Yeah. I think we hit it definitely the peak of the breeding season down there yeah. this time. I mean, when, I would say. when all five of those gobblers came in and assaulted Chisholm's dead bird and each of them had like a 10 or 10 inch rope, it's dragon. Yeah. I mean, like I've seen Jake's do it. I'd never seen a, a group of Tom's come in and do that. Like the mature yeah. ones. But um, there's got to be just, just a weird like uh, Tom to hen ratio there in that, <laughs> you know, there's just not a lot of hens. So they're just super competitive. Maybe I don't know. I'm not a turkey biologist by any means, but no, no. 
but I, I'm going to keep going back. <laughs> yeah. Why would you? That's, that's a good thing. You want to keep that close. So that's a little, uh, not quite, that's not quite as challenging as what you did. You went on like a four state Turkey track. Yeah, it was brutal, man. We, um, super fun time. We, we partnered up with the national wild or national wild Turkey Federation this uh-huh. year, um, in an effort to sort of showcase the Western States being really some phenomenal, uh, Turkey hunting country. You know, when people think about Turkey hunting, they're mostly thinking about the Southeast up into the Midwest and, and, you know, hunting yeah. Easterns and Miriams on the, in the Dakotas. But really, if you, if you travel a little farther West into Nebraska, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, not only are there some great opportunities, but there's some really awesome liberal bag limits, you know, like in uh-huh. Oregon, you can kill three in Idaho, you can kill two Montana, you can kill one plus a general tag plus regional tags and Nebraska, you can kill two. Um, so you can really make some work on it and, and fill a freezer, you know? And so we started off, we were with Ben O'Brien from the meat eater, um, good uh-huh. friend of mine and, and a great Turkey hunter and Ford Van Fossen, who's in charge of our conservation and content here, along with some other guys from the NWTF. Um, looking at all these really awesome conservation projects that they've done. Um, and I got to tell you, like I've worked with a lot of um, great nonprofit organizations in the last couple of years. And the NWTF has just this incredible amount of dedicated folks that really put their money where their mouth is. We're talking like beautiful stretches of timber ground that have been thinned and logged and, and made into these Turkey havens. Right. Um, oh. As well as like water projects and, and uh, landowner access initiatives where people are really getting a good opportunity to have uh, good habitat really close to where they live and where they want to travel to hunt. So that was really cool to see. We started off in, um, the boys started off in Montana and were immediately hit with like the spring snowstorm of all hell. I mean, it was like, I saw these pictures too, man, snowing and blowing and just nasty. They ended up scratching out two birds there. And then I met up with them in, um, in South Dakota, Nebraska and Wyoming. And it, was more of the same. South Dakota was tough. Both Ford and, and, and uh, Ben killed Tom's there. Um, basically just being quiet right by the roost tree. You know, there weren't really a lot of goblin action going on. Um, then we transitioned to Nebraska and we were hunting sort of in Northeast. <laughs> Can you hear Nebraska. that snoring? Uh-uh. Oh, okay. I got the puppy in here and she's just, uh, oh, she's using, huh? yeah. yeah. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. Just My, dog's sure. over here. My dog's <laughs> snoring too, but she's got her head up a little bit, but, uh, yeah. So anyway, we're in Nebraska and we drive in, we're in Northwest Nebraska and, and it immediately snowed like two inches that night, you know, and it's oh. cold, man, really cold. We're talking like late November temperatures. We'd be like when you hunted on Jordan's place, it would have yeah. been like that, right? That was one of the coldest times I've ever oh, yeah. experienced. I mean, that's a different kind miserable. of human cold. Yeah. So yeah. we had pretty shitty weather the first two days and, you know, we're able to scratch out one bird. And then we got a nice chunk of weather. It was like 24 hours of just gorgeous temperatures, you know, like 45, 50 degrees, sunny. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Right. See, um, that doesn't, that, that sounds nothing like the 75, 80 degrees. Oh I was, no. I mean, but you know, I was drinking a margarita, had on my board shorts after the hunt. Yeah. We're like barely <laughs> able to crack open a bush. Like your fingers are too cold, <laughs> but you know, to be honest with you, man, it was a, it was a nice change of pace comparatively, right? You go from uh-huh. 30 to 45 with sun and you're like, Oh, whole new man. Yeah. Um, so we ended up killing, I killed two birds in Nebraska. Ben killed a beautiful gobbler, a really mature gobbler that we'd called in the night before that couldn't commit. Um, just a beautiful bird, like a, a inch and a half spurs for a Miriams, which is unheard of. 
uh-huh. um, nice big rope on him. And he just did the thing, dancing to the decoys, cross the fence, just, just how you draw it up, you know, it's like oh, yeah. straight off of TV. Right. Um, so that was great. And then really we, uh, what kind of, what kind of, uh, oh, what kind of habitat is this? So the cool part about this part of Nebraska is you got these rolling farm fields, you know, it's close to the sand hill region. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's these beautiful timber draws and pretty steep country, honestly. So a lot of these birds are going from these private CRP fields and private ag fields up into this timber. And what's interesting okay. is, you know, where we're hunting, a lot of these birds roost down in the bottom at night and then work their way up during the day. It's kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. Um, so we were up in these ridges, big pine forests, um, a lot of aspen trees, really Western country, right? You wouldn't expect, it's not like hunting field edges, uh, like on a so timber So in which part, which area of nebraska is this it's in northwest nebraska okay so i flew into south dakota yeah you i probably drove to jordan's and they had this really cool stretch of uh she had a name for it but it was basically like pine forest oh yeah in this and then and then you came out of that and went into the sand hills um, yeah exactly. was that the type we're, of we're right in that region right okay. right in between south dakota and beautiful nebraska. country yeah oh yeah and and just like quintessential turkey habitat too you know you've got good roost trees good food access a lot of water um relatively low predation because um you know there there are a lot of you know cougars coyotes whatever but the ranchers do a pretty good job of maintaining that because it is sort of their livelihood um and the other thing too is a lot of people travel to nebraska to hunt turkeys but we didn't run into that many people you know we're hunting all public ground the whole time um, ran into a few folks here and there, but I think the weather really deterred quite a few people, but we kept at it and, and made it happen and then traveled up to, to Wyoming. Uh, Where are you guys staying? Well, we stayed in a hotel that those two nights cause it was okay. cold and snowing. We yeah, camped, yeah. we camped most of the way, but then when it dropped below 20, we were like, you know what, this is uh, we spend plenty of time in the tent. <laughs> we can get a hotel. So yeah, kind of nice to come back to a hot shower and, 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 uh, at least a fast food meal of right. sorts. Well, one good thing I can think of would be uh, you weren't covered in ticks if the temperatures were in the teens for most of that trip. But uh, we're going to take a break. We'll come back and finish up. You guys headed over to Wyoming, and then I think uh, you went out to Oregon to hunt with your dad and brother. So uh, we'll do that next. That segment brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy, locations in San Antonio and Marion, Texas. I've been using them for over a decade, whether it's a white-tailed deer a trout from the Texas coast, an entire African safari, or anything else. If you want to put it on the wall, give them a call. You can find them at gr8mounts.com. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey guys, Cable here for QuietCat, the leader in e-bikes made specifically for overlanding, hunting, fishing, and remote access to the great outdoors. QuietCat provides outdoor enthusiasts a means of portable, low-impact transportation while providing you with the most reliable product on the market. I own a QuietCat, and it has surpassed all my expectations. It's an amazing machine that stealthily gets me wherever the hunting or fishing adventure takes me. Based out of Eagle, Colorado, QuietCat is able to put all of their products to the test, making sure your e-bike is built to last. Visit QuietCat.com or call 970-328-2399 for more info. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. 
Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Smith, welcome everybody back to SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Will social distortions take on Ring of Fire? We're still talking spring long beards with our buddy Kevin Harlander, community manager over at First Light. Before we get back into that conversation, though, this segment is brought to you by Big and J and the new apple flavor edition or scent, you could say. Uh, but They've added Apple to their existing lineup of long-range whitetail attractants. You can even get BB Squared now in Apple. So check that out. You can find all of the new Apple additions to the lineup right there at BigNJ.com. All right, well, let's pick it back up with our buddy Kevin Harlander, who uh, was on a uh, partnered up, First Light partnered up with the NWTF and hit up Nebraska, South Dakota, Montana. And at this point, Kevin, I think you guys... We're about to head over to Wyoming as part of uh, this great turkey hunting adventure. Um, eventually, you know, decided, well, we got to go to Wyoming. We got four more days to go. We better try to go fill some tags there. Met up with a, a biologist there. And then also um, Jason Tarwater, who's responsible for sort of that Western region management uh-huh. of all those states for NWTF. Really great guy, really knowledgeable turkey hunter. Um, and we headed up into Wyoming and we were met with, you know, this is only, you know, two hours away as the crow flies and it snowed like a foot and a half overnight. And we had like, I think it was six degrees the first morning we left the hotel. Oh. So pretty brutal, but I will tell you the nice part is if you can find a bird on the roost in six degrees and you're within 50 to hundred yards of him on the tree, you're going to kill that bird a hundred percent. Yeah. So we killed, uh, killed one bird. The bird that I killed, he came in on a dead sprint with another Tom circled below us um which was kind of weird I, you could see the decoy but he's kind of coming in from the back and i could hear him putting you know i was like oh this is over so our camera guy jonah who you know um jonah was like you better kill him so i turned around and i shot the thing at 53 yards just on a line wow. um, and dropped him and that was, that was a great bird really fun story and then we ended up tracking speaking of fun stories did jonah tell you about uh his his camera taking pictures of my ass no I didn't hear that story. Tell me that story. Well, Jonah's kind of a young buck, and he he thinks he can go hard with the beers and have a little whiskey, and then next oh, thing yeah. you know, he's passed out. And me and Tony, the guy that won that the mule deer hunt, yep. I get his camera, and I'm like, think I can figure out how to work this thing. It's real fancy, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I got I made sure that you know his. Not only did I get pictures of my butt and put it on there, I made sure that was the screensaver <laughs> on his laptop. I love that. <laughs> he didn't mention that. He's a pretty quiet guy that way. Yeah. yeah. That's funny, man. Yeah, he's a great cool. dude. Really great dude. Great he, photographer, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, he works his butt off, too. Like For such a – it's really – I know I sound like an old man. I'm only 30 years old. But to have somebody who's like 24 or 25, whatever, just like continually grind out 3 a.m. to 11 p.m. and then go edit every day is yeah. just – phenomenal because we were doing quick turn stuff right so all these guys would shoot on day one and we release it on day two mm. so they're having to be out in the woods all day and then come home and edit that stuff and put it on on the web so 
more power to him. They did a great job. He's, yeah. a, he's a good kid. Um, but yeah, so he, this so turkey turned, comes in. Yeah, he circles turned around. You shot it at 51 yards. Yeah, something like that. It was 51 or 53 or whatever. And um, just dropped him, right? I mean, um, so then we get to, we can track these birds, right? Because we're in the snow. So they're basically leaving a trail where he's going to go. So we <laughs> basically followed him for about two miles, which is kind of a long way for a turkey looped up around, let him be, came back. And then the next morning went to that same spot and had roosted him or found him on the roost in the dark. And Ben O'Brien shot that bird probably like maybe five minutes after legal shooting light, just like oh, wow. on a rope came in. It was just, that was nice. Cause it was cold, man. I don't know if I could have sat there much longer, uh-huh. but so, so we got that thing done. So you said if it was really cold or if it was actively snowing, they would stay on the roost until it was late man yeah you'd hear gobblers and they had have been in the tree during like a squall like a little bit of a snowstorm they'd be in the tree till late you know like huh. way late um and then conversely you know we can talk about when i went to that Oregon. was only if it was snowing yeah it was snowing or just like some kind of precip in the air right okay which makes me think like usually when it's snowing like that deer are trying to get on their feet and kind of brush it off you know but those turkeys seem to hunker yeah uh, and that's just what we were seeing there uh, and they weren't really moving that far. They'd gobble a lot and then shut up. But these birds would gobble, you know, forever in the tree. You could get them to gobble all day long if you wanted. And then they hit the dirt and would gobble once. You'd call to them and they'd shut up and then they'd gobble at like, you know, 20 yards from you. Mm. They're just there. So I think what, what was really interesting just in noticing like hunting turkeys in sort of winter conditions is that they, uh, they're obviously conserving some sort of energy, you know, whether yeah. it's, you know, breeding energy or, or travel energy or whatever it is. Um, they were not making a lot of noise once they were on the ground. So pretty interesting. Oh, huh. okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, so yeah. that, that wrapped the Turkey track. It was, it was pretty cool to see all that habitat work. It's something that, you know, you don't normally do when you're hunting, you just kind of appreciate it as you go, but to have these guys talk through these projects and, and, you know, essentially sign up for memberships. That's what we were trying to get people to do is commit to 35 bucks a year to, to win some prizes from us and to really contribute to these places. We're so fortunate to hunt. Yeah. Um, that's a good program. So I'm, I'm pleased we did that. We, we raised over, I think it was like 1700 memberships or something to that nature, or just over a thousand. Um, oh, that's which awesome, is great man. for an organization that really took a hit during COVID, right? No banquets, nothing they could do to raise money. So that felt good to be able to help those guys out a little bit. Yeah, I finally went back to my first banquet. Uh, I think it was about two months ago. Went okay. to a RMEF banquet. So nice. it was cool to be back in person. Um, God, you know. isn't it? Man? Well, so Texas, good. Texas was, you know, we kind of did away with the mask thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, there's still some places that require it. I just kind of wear it out of habit if there's, you know, a sign. Yeah. Or, and I get it, man. If somebody's private business, they want to, you know, they can say what they want to say. And, but man, it's gotta be nice to shake somebody's hand again at the, at the banquet, you know, and just talk like a normal it is, human. But it's also kind of weird. Cause then you're kind of like, do I need to put some hand sanitizer? Yeah. On? Like, do, or, and if I do, do I let them see me do it? Is that yeah, like weird? Exactly. I don't want to be that weirdo. Yeah. Oh yeah. The oh, social yeah. norms are not what they once were. So no, it's going to take a while to get back to it. You know, we, uh, after this Wyoming trip, I, I came home for a couple of days and then I went over to Eastern Oregon, which is kind of my old stomping grounds and uh, notoriously had really good luck turkey hunting there. And my dad and brother were able to join me on that uh, over the weekend. 
uh, we were hunting with Cody Kelma, born and raised, and, and Zach from the hunting public. So that was good to meet those guys again and, and get after some turkeys. Boy, those dudes can walk. That is oh, yeah. unreal. They just cover some country. So oh, got my I've... dad my fir- his first turkey too, which is really cool. He, uh, that is know, awesome. I, I, guess, awesome. I guess I didn't realize that over the years, it's just been me killing turkeys and not my dad, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or it's like he's been helping us forever and so it was really nice we uh called in a couple jakes they didn't come the whole way and then they ended up getting behind this berm so we were able to sneak up on them to 10 yards and and shoot them and that was just really awesome cool to see my dad so stoked on that and my brother ended up killing a couple birds too so it was was good over there oh it doesn't get any better than spending time with your dad and brother in the outdoors and to see your dad get his first bird awesome Say in Eastern Oregon, what's really cool is they have multiple subspecies within that region. So my brother killed two jakes sort of back-to-back days. One was a Rio and one was Merriam's, which is wild. So Um, I was going to ask you, what on the turkey track, what species you guys put in the bag? Pretty much all Merriam's. I think there might have been one that could have gone Rio, like he was – he was light enough, you know, to, and those secondaries looked real enough, but you just can't, like, I just can't tell. Um, I was going to say, I would have no idea having only ever taken, uh, Rio's. Yeah. Like we have Easterns in Texas, but those counties are like, it's, it's County by County. Some are closed, some are open. Sure. You have to check the bird. Yeah. Um, and we have four Turkey tags. Only one of them can be an Eastern. Right. So I've never, I've seen them out in the wild uh, yep. in Texas. And I've obviously seen tons of them you know hunting in illinois or mm-hmm. or or probably seen i guess what, what does jordan have on her place Merriams or yeah they're or... they're Merriams, yeah okay. for sure just so super I, hell elk hunting in new mexico you see Merriams running around all the time right um, yeah but, and it's, it's but just like really if i had cool. it in my hand i wouldn't know you know well, yeah what, what how to tell the difference the rio Merriams like variety is really tough for me to tell um uh-huh. sometimes the easiest way on a mature bird is on those secondary feathers obviously but um, a lot of times too, like in Eastern Oregon, those will, they'll interbreed. So you might have, they call them mutts, right. And that's uh, occurring in Eastern and parts of Northern Idaho too. Um, so it's pretty cool. And you can tell, I think anyway, between it, like an Eastern and maybe even a Miriam's, um, just the way that their gobble sounds, the Miriam's are a little, a little more like, uh, there's, there's less volume, less like oomph to them. Whereas the Eastern, you know, man, it's just a hammer, right. Uh-huh. Huh. in the woods but it's fast pretty interesting to be able to kill multiple subspecies in one state that, that to me is a that's an exceptional job by conservation organizations to really understand that these turkeys can thrive anywhere uh-huh. um and the ability to say like well let's put some more in here and do some of this here that's a really cool win for uh for hunters and, and sportsmen alike i mean it's great to see them on the landscape i don't know how they survive i have no idea i uh, mean it's that's kind of how i feel about most ground nesting birds Jeez, like, it's crazy. Everything's trying to eat them, right? Yeah, um, and you listen to Dr. Collins what, or what he says, um, and and all those guys, right? Is that they don't really survive that well. I mean, you got to right. have a a lot of turkeys to make it happen. Or Chamberlain, excuse me, I said Collins, but yeah, yeah. Um, you know what he said? Their number one predator was on. Isn't it owls? Gobblers. Yeah, owls. Yeah, yeah. That Great blows my mind. Just, Just like them right off the roost. Yeah, and just nailing them right off the roost. It's crazy to me, man. Yeah. There she is. Yep. There's my dog greeting the day. Luellen right Setter. Yep. Yeah. 
She's a good looking dog, ready for some bird action this fall. Well, if you have time to train her with all oh, yeah. the gallivanting around you've been doing, I don't. She's been good, man. We had her on wild birds this uh, spring, like early spring, really late winter, and she's been doing really great. So fun. Awesome. It's amazing when you get a good stock dog, you know. <laughs> Mine's just trying not to catch a beating every day. Yeah. Right now. Just the peeing. She's in, you know, she's 11 weeks old. So she's in the, how many times can I pee when you're not looking? You know. Yeah. Kind of so yeah. I've got the kids trained pretty good though. They're, they're getting all right about, you know, letting her out constantly. So. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. It didn't take Sky too long. She, uh, she learned pretty quick, but you know, we were with her constantly for the first three, four months of her life. So that's been pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, as far as, uh, What's what's the the latest and greatest from from First Light? Yeah, we just released sort of our t- 2021 uh, Western New Gear uh, as of a couple weeks ago now, almost a month ago, um, and that's the the foundry lineup with uh, the the Obsidian Foundry as well as the Corrugate Foundry pants. Uh-huh. So the Obsidian Foundry is is basically a beefed up version of our you know best selling really best in class merino wool pant. They're just reinforced with the nylon uh, in some of those pinch points, wear points. So that's going to be a great pant for a lot of parts of Texas. You know, they're, they're not going to perform as strongly within, you know, super brushy situations like your guys' cat claw. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they're definitely going to be more durable than the original obsidian. So I think that's the biggest thing to take away is you can get away with quite a bit with these pants especially in warm weather situations, they breathe in all the right places, really good pair of pants for spring and summer down there. Um, so good for swamp ass prevention. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. It's, it's one of the most breathable pair of pants I've ever worn for sure. Um, you know, and the ones that I'm really most excited about, it's sort of a do it all pan or those corrugate foundries. So basically that is, um, based off of our, you know, other best selling pan, which is the corrugate guide pants. And essentially mm-hmm. what these corrugate foundries are a reinforced knee and seat waterproof knee and seat with uh, pit with zips along the the hip to basically um, let that heat dump get out of there uh, when you're hiking or moving through the timber um, the other really cool part about those pants is is the way in which they're built um, you've got a knee pad that's removable on the front so uh, yeah ford was talking about that uh, wearing those on the uh, his orcs hunt in new mexico yeah just phenomenal man like yeah. There's such like a, for folks that, you know, they either seem to like hate knee pads or love knee pads. There's not like a middle ground. So this gives you that middle ground, you know, some guys can keep them in. I, I leave them in most of the time because I can't even notice they're there, but dropping to a knee is just so much more comfortable now, especially in like when we were nil guy hunting, that would have been perfect, right? When you're kind of stalking through the brush and having to, having to sit down and that's just, it's just a perfect pair of pants for that kind of country. Yeah. Yeah. And durable as well. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, on the whitetail side of things, we've uh, released the Spectre pattern, uh, which is new for whitetail for, for this year. And will be continue to be the really the most sought after whitetail pattern, I think, in the industry. It's just so well built, so well engineered. Um, we've got all of our base layers available now with outerwear set to launch this summer. Um, so there'll be more information on that probably in July, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, getting really excited for that, man. That stuff we wore in the tree for the last two years. And it is just a phenomenal pattern, whether you're bow hunting or, or rifle hunting, it's, it's just hands down best thing I've ever worn, you know? Yeah. I enjoyed wearing it in Nebraska. I was just sad that that punt didn't have a happy ending so I could get a, yeah. a nice picture. With the, nice grip and grain on that specter. Well, you're going yeah. back, right? Yeah. I haven't decided if I'm going to go back, uh, 
this year or next year, but I, mm-hmm. uh, I am going back. So yeah, that's a, th- the, the deer deposit factory. has been sent. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I, I'm hooked. Uh, it's just incredible country. So many deer and to yeah. have the opportunity to hunt mule deer and whitetail in the same places. I've only experienced that, uh, one other place in like way, way West Texas. Right. Um, yeah, that, that's. I remember we talked about that where you, I, I've archery hunted that place quite a bit, and you'll have mule deer bucks under a tree stand, which is so foreign. You know, right. it's just not a, not something you do a lot, uh, and something you don't see quite, very often. That, that that's a cool place. Hope you hope you get to go back and and hunt them with a muzzleloader too. That's pretty fun. And I, and I told you, so we're just sitting there, like I think Jonah was taking some photos of the specter actually. And we look over yep. and there's just like a 320 inch bull elk just walking through the, yeah. Oh yeah. The sand hills. Like what do you have elk here too? You know, like, oh yeah. Like, She's picking everything. up sheds right now. It's just yeah. like, it's one of those places that just doesn't exist in such a small area. There's just so much biodiversity there with regard to ungulates, man. It's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, okay. Well, I hope that, uh, so you're, wait, you're, where are you headed off to now? Pennsylvania or something? Like yeah. That? I'm going to go out to Pennsylvania and hang out with Levi Morgan for a couple of days and, and try to shoot a Turkey there. And, um, after that, I think by Turkey season, will probably be kaput. So I didn't hit my 10 bird goal this year. That's unfortunate. I, I ended the year at five, at least now, which is still pretty damn good. I shouldn't be complaining about that at all. Five is um, more than me. That's right. And then I'm really looking forward to, I'm going to go up in June. We have a pretty long bear season in Idaho when you're running with dogs. So I've got a good friend that has got a bunch of hounds um, up in Northern Idaho. I'm going to go work, hunt with him for a couple of days in June and, and try to tree a bear and, and shoot my first bear in the West. So I'm excited for that. Awesome. Awesome yeah. stuff. Well, good luck. I look forward to uh, seeing pictures of, of those upcoming adventures and I'm sure we will uh, circle back up again in the near future. Absolutely, man. Have a great week and and, uh, enjoy the weekend. Get out and do something. We will do it. Take it easy. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap for that turkey conversation, a four-state turkey trek with Kevin Harlander of First Light. Uh, That segment was brought to you by All Seasons Smokers, and I've been using mine religiously. It is grilling season, smoking season. I did some ribs and a uh, wild turkey breast last weekend. Always comes out perfect on the All Seasons Smoker. You can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. They've got their entire lineup right there. Of course, feeders and blinds too. Um, Unfortunately, we are out of time. Thanks to Kevin, as well as our other guests today, Josh Craighauser of California, and uh, also Cody Cox of Buffalo Gap and the Buffalo Run. Race to the Grand Canyon and back for Camp Abel. We'll do it again next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. South with the highland faces, a poor man working in a rice-filled maze and a barefoot boy on a jetty plank as he walks into the goal. In a lighthouse shining out to the sea to the shrimpers staring at disbelief.